good to see all of you. Thank you for joining this morning, whether you're here in person or those online. Thank you for, for joining. Glad to have you. Um, why don't you just turn to someone that's near you, beside you. Just tell them they're looking good today. And as, we, as you do that, as you finish that up, why don't you stand as we, as we now go into worship this morning. thirsty come to the well that never runs dry drink of the water come and thirst no more come all you sinners come find his mercy come to the table he will satisfy taste of his goodness find what you're looking for God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. Bring all your failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us whoever believes in him will live forever the power of hell forever defeated now it is well Walking in freedom, for God so loved, for God so loved the world. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, for the wonders of His love. Praise God. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, for the wonders of His love. For God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save. For God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated, now it is well. Walking in freedom for God so loved, oh God so loved the world. And strength will rise. 
Rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever, our hope, our strong deliverer, you are the everlasting God. The everlasting God, you do not faint, you won't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak, you comfort those in need, you lift us up on wings like eagles. as we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord our God you reign forever our hope our strong defender of the weak you comfort those in need you lift us up on wings like eagles good morning Nice to see you today. You're looking good. Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't, fish, wasn't fishing for that at all. Take a moment, say hi to somebody around you before you're seated this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, welcome to the service today. I know Andrew welcomed you earlier, and I want to uh, just echo that welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, on this final day of July, final uh, Sunday of July, and uh, great to have you here and to worship together and to spend some time together. And also want to extend a very uh, warm welcome to those of you who are uh, joining in via the live stream today. We're glad that you have joined us as well, uh, wherever you may be. And if it's somewhere a lot more tropical than here, we don't resent you a lot for that, just, just a little. But we're glad that you're here. If this is the first time that you've uh, been here, uh, we would love to be able to uh, know that you are here, come along and serve you and, and assist you in any way that we can. And so the way that we've chosen to do that is if you wish, you can fill out a connection card that you'll find in the chair pouch in front of you. 
Fill that out, and at the end of the service, you can take it to the information desk in the foyer. Leave it there. If you have any questions, they'll try and answer them for you. And also, there's a small gift there for you. So uh, we're glad you're here, and uh, uh, we just want to be able to, like I said, assist you, pray for you, encourage you uh, in any way that we can. We only have one announcement today, but it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, we're doing an ice cream social at the end of the service today, and... I realized when I said that there was an ice cream social, it's kind of like with your kids, right? When you do a certain thing a couple times, they assume that that's what it's going to be every time. So some people were assuming the ice cream truck was coming today. So because of COVID, we're, just, we're really too poor for an ice cream truck. So it's just regular ice cream today. So just, just you know that. It won't be an ice cream truck, but it will be ice cream. So, and, and it is free, and it is for you at the end of the service. So, yeah. So, glad that you could be here uh, to be a part of that. Kids, you are free to make your way over to the side to your volunteers. Good to have Pastor Scott, Esther, and Lucy back from a well-deserved vacation. And uh, so, we're going to uh, let, release the kids at this point, and uh, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. And... Um, in a moment, the ushers are going to receive your, your morning tithes and offerings. If you want to give electronically, you can send an e-transfer to giving at epcoakville.com, and uh, we can receive it that way as well. Uh, I'm going to hand it back to Andrew, and uh, just to let you know, Andrew and I were uh, communicating through the week, and uh, Andrew has actually agreed to continue to help us for a little longer till the end of January. And uh, it's going to help us through the fall. So, Andrew, we're, thank you for that. And uh, welcome again to, uh, to helping us out. So, yeah. yeah. If it wasn't you standing there today, it might have to be me. So I, I, we're, we're, we're well ahead of the game having you there. God bless you as you continue to worship this morning. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God Feel free to stand all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able 
I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. I will sing of the goodness of God. And your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, surrendered now, I give you Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. The splendor of the King. Clothed in Godhead three 
as we come before you today we sing how great you are Lord would you be here today with us that in this place God in our situations that you would be with us that you are a great God and we trust in you God God that as you are working in our lives and even as as you work maybe in our hearts this morning God would we be prepared to, to hear from your word God would we not only be able to learn more, but be encouraged, God, that we can trust that you are a great God, that you don't change from today to tomorrow, God, that, that you're the same great God that we can sing about all the time. And so, God, we thank you for this morning, for the fact that we're able to gather here today in your presence, Lord. Pray that you would bless uh, the service, God, 
bless Pastor Shannon as he speaks. Would we all be prepared to, to receive the word this morning, God? And would you just do what, what you would do here this morning, God? In your name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, for worship team, for leading us this morning. On my day off this week... I decided to do a one-day return trip to Ottawa. Now, I've done that a few times over the last number of years. And so I decided to do this one-day return trip to Ottawa to deliver a project that I had built for my daughter and, of course, bring back another item that needed to go into dad's storage. And so I left at 5.30 in the morning to avoid Toronto traffic and arrived in Ottawa without delay. I quickly unloaded my delivery, reloaded the item for storage, exchanged some hugs, and hit the road again with the goal of being home in time for dinner. Things were moving along great until I arrived at the Big Apple. Not New York City. The Big Apple. The other, literal, Big Apple in Grafton. Suddenly, traffic stopped, and I moved at a pace of less than three kilometers in 40 minutes. Now, as you can imagine, this impacted my plan of being home in time for dinner and getting back when I wanted to be back. And I found myself frustrated by the traffic situation. I don't know about you, but I think most of us don't really appreciate terrible traffic conditions. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but I'm alone in the car and I'm complaining out loud, alone in the car, about the traffic situation. I didn't appreciate having my life interrupted. I didn't appreciate this. I had a plan. It was going great. And now this. Of course, in my frustration, I reached out to my family via text to vent and also to update them on my situation. I had no idea what was happening up ahead of me. But my family was able to find out. There had been a couple of accidents, and sadly, one of them was fatal. 
And it resulted in the highway being closed and traffic being rerouted. Now, once I became aware that there was a fatal accident, my, my attitude changed. And I actually felt very convicted about my frustration. You know, I was inconvenienced, yeah. But all I could think about was somebody had lost their life. A family had just tragically lost a loved one, and my concern was how it affected me and my plan to get home for dinner. <laughs> and so I want you to know that I quickly repented of my selfishness. It was a reminder to me that it's very easy in life to be focused on our own expectations and our own frustrations, and in the process of doing that, fail to consider and enter into the painful realities of the people around us. I was reminded of that this week. Today is the final week of our four-week sermon series, which we've entitled True to His Word, based on Luke chapter 4. And if you haven't been here throughout this series, we've been taking each of the statements Jesus made in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and considered how he fulfilled each one of them, showing that he was true to his word. He said he was going to do it. This is his mission. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. And then he went out and did those things. So in week one, we talked about proclaiming good news to the poor. Week two, we talked about freedom for captives. Last week, we talked about recovery of sight for the blind. And today, we'll end by talking about set the oppressed free. What is oppression? Well, oppression is to treat certain people cruelly by abusing power and authority in order to keep them from the same opportunities, freedom, and benefits as others. That's oppression. And so what we're going to see today is that confronting oppression was important to Jesus. Confronting oppression was something he did on a regular basis as he dealt with the oppressors in this particular scripture that we're using as an example here of him being true to his word, of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And as we do that, as we see him confronting her oppressors, we'll be reminded today that Jesus is an ally for those who have been crushed by abuse of power and offers freedom to those who are oppressed. Jesus is an ally for those who have been crushed by abuse of power and offers freedom, freedom to those who are oppressed. We'll begin today where we've started in the last three weeks, with the context. And we said that throughout this series, we've been saying and been reminded that Luke 4 is Jesus primarily quoting Isaiah 61. And so we keep saying it's scripture within a scripture. Jesus is quoting scripture. And last week we said the book of Isaiah is a prophecy regarding Israel, specifically judgment that was coming to Israel because of their alliances and how in the future there would be hope for them when the Messiah would come. And so Isaiah, in a nutshell, is about that. And Isaiah 61 talks a lot about that. 
But it's also important for us to note today that Jesus' declaration in Luke 4 also includes a por- or included a portion of Scripture from Isaiah 58. And Isaiah 58 addressed how the people of Israel were treating each other. And so at the, at the end of Luke 4.18, Jesus brings a piece of Isaiah 58 into his mission. In Isaiah 58, what we see here is a picture of a nation that's engaging in religious practices. We're told that they're seeking God. They're, desired, they're desiring to be led by God. They want God to be just and fair to them. They want, they want God to draw close to them. Now, these are all wonderful things. So you think, well, what's the problem here? These sound like a, you know, a really spiritual group of people. And then it goes on to tell us that they were even fasting. They were engaging in the discipline of fasting because they wanted to show God how serious they were about these things. How serious they were about pursuing him. And they find themselves confused because their prayers are not being answered. And so Isaiah 58 is God responding and answering them and explaining to them why they are in the predicament they're in. And I want us to very quickly look at it. This is what God said. God said, no, this is, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. That one was very convicting for me, by the way. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will heal quick will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. God there, quote unquote. They were oppressing their fellow Jews and God was not pleased. And so God confronted their religious practice and said, yes, you're saying all these things and you're doing all these things and you're even fasting, but your religious, you know, it's, it's empty. Your practices are empty. And he says, that's not what I want from you. That's not the kind of fasting I want. I want practical action. And he goes on to list examples. God gives them examples so they can understand how they're missing it. The final sentence of Luke 4.18 is actually a direct connection to Isaiah 58, the sentence, let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Much of Jesus' ministry involved confronting a religious culture that placed emphasis on spiritual practices while at the same time exercised an abuse of power and authority resulting in people being oppressed. And so Jesus confronted the spiritual abuse that he was seeing everywhere he turned, and he set people free from the oppression opposed upon them. And so in our scripture today, we find a woman 
who suffered abuse from spiritual leadership and is oppressed as a result of it. And Jesus, in our scripture, is confronting her accusers. And in the end, she goes free, just as Jesus said he was going to do. My second point this morning is oppression. Let's look at the oppression. The setting of our scripture is Jerusalem. Specifically, we're in the temple courts. It's the early morning and a large crowd is already gathered around Jesus. And he's sitting there in the middle of them and he's teaching them. And as he's teaching in this beautiful, quiet morning, all of a sudden there's a ruckus and his teaching is interrupted when the teachers of the law and the Pharisees push their way through the crowd into the center where Jesus was to present to Jesus and the crowd a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And as they presented her to Jesus, they quoted the Old Testament law that said, a woman caught in adultery should be stoned to death. And so they asked Jesus for his opinion on this matter, on carrying out the law of Moses. If the law of Moses says this, you know, in your opinion, should we do this? Should we kill her? Now, the issue of the woman's character was front and center in this part of the story. What they're reporting was not gossip. She was caught in the very act of adultery. However, we are told that this incident was actually not even about the woman. She was a pawn that was being used to discredit Jesus, to trap Jesus. They're using her and oppressing her and abusing her to get to him. Now, the main responsibility of the scribes and Pharisees at this time was to protect the integrity of the law of Moses and to teach people how to live out that law in everyday life. And so in order to do that, they created all kinds of extra laws to, to make sure that people could live out those bigger laws. Jesus broke a lot of their laws. Jesus broke most of their laws. When he's forgiving sinners, he's threatening their authority of this religious group. And so they are fed up with him. And they want to shame him. They want to humiliate him. They want to discredit him in front of those who are listening. They're convinced that they are right. They are convinced that they are right. They're willing to abuse their power and their authority to oppose this woman in order to elevate themselves and to protect the system that they had created. They're willing to sacrifice her in this process. And so the whole situation reeked of a setup because, well, where was the man who committed adultery with her? The law required that both of them be stoned, but suspiciously, there's just, just one. All of this was to discredit Jesus. They humiliated the woman. They shamed her by making her stand in front of this crowd while they talked about the personal, intimate details of her life and exposed her publicly. Jesus was faced with a perceived dilemma here. If he let her walk away without punishment, he would be seen by the crowd in the religious establishment as someone who refused to keep the laws of Moses. If he condoned stoning the woman, he would be contradicting his own teaching about grace and forgiveness, and he would also run the risk of causing trouble with the Roman authorities because he didn't have the authority to order someone to death. 
And so Jesus bent over and began to write on the ground with his finger in silence. We have no idea what he was writing. We can surmise, but we really don't know. We don't know what relevance, if any, what he was writing had to this particular situation. In Exodus, it does say that the finger of God wrote the law of Moses. And I don't know, perhaps Jesus was writing out all the laws. Or maybe he was writing out different sins. Maybe he was writing their sins. I like to think that was the one, but I can't really make that happen because I I don't know. We don't know. Meanwhile, they're badgering him for an answer. And his delayed response created an impatience in them. They want to get on with this. Thirdly and finally, we see freedom. After a period of time, Jesus straightened up. And he put the dilemma back on them. And he said, if any one of you is without sin, you go ahead and you throw the first stone at her. Whichever one of you doesn't have any sin. You don't, you've never sinned. You don't have sin. You go ahead. You do it. And with that, he stooped and once again continued to write on the ground. And we're told that the accusers began to go away one at a time. And I love that this detail is in there, beginning with the oldest first. I, I love that detail. I don't know, maybe the longer you live, the more sins you have. Most likely, it's kind of like, you know, as I'm aging, I'm figuring out that you just, you have a little bit more awareness of your, your, your sins and your flaws, and they're probably mature enough to be self-aware. Jesus wasn't rejecting the law. He was rejecting the abuse of power that manipulated the law as an excuse for a personal gain. That's, that's what he's confronting here. And it became obvious that she, this, this woman, was, was not the only sinner present. She wasn't the only one. And in the final scene of the story, we have this beautiful moment where this woman is standing before Jesus and she's alone. They've all left now. And both of them, Jesus and her, both of them have been accused of wrongdoing by the religious establishment. They've both been accused of the same. Different reasons, but equal blame. Both of them have experienced the abuse of power from this religious establishment. And he looked up from the ground and asked her, where are they? Your accusers. Where are they? Has no one condemned you? And the woman replied, no one, sir. Jesus said, then neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. I love that sentence, go and leave your life of sin, because there are actually three ideas captured in the sentence that we're looking at today, set the oppressed free. Set means to release from bondage. Oppressed you know, means you know, uh, those who are broken. And free means to send away without penalty. And that's exactly what we see here in Jesus' sentence. You are free to go without penalty. He did what he said. I need a moment. This makes me really emotional. (laughs) I don't know, maybe that's part of old age too, but I find myself these days writing these sermons and I'm just so overcome in my office alone just with the reality of, of how incredible Jesus is. There are two questions that I would like to focus on today as 
we conclude this sermon and we conclude this series. And I think they're really important questions. The first question is, who are the oppressed? Who are they? Well, let me begin by saying this. That those who have held power and privilege for a long time, okay, those who have held power and privilege for a long time, feel that they are the oppressed when their power is reduced and their privilege is challenged. And so oftentimes, people who are used to being privileged and used to being having power feel oppressed when, when they are confronted and that's taken. I hear followers of Jesus sometimes lamenting the oppression that they and the church in Canada are experiencing due to changes that are happening in society with the church losing its grip on influence and control. Talking about it in terms of oppression. Now, while this may be frustrating to some, you know, in my opinion, the church in Canada is certainly not oppressed. We are not oppressed. Now, that being said, religious oppression is happening in many places around the world. And I know that not just from what I read or what I hear. I have seen that firsthand. I personally know people. There are people that I know and love and have relationship with that live every day of their lives under religious oppression on a daily basis. It's happening all around the world. There are countries around the world where there are dictators where, and people are oppressed. It happens all around the world. But there are also many other groups of people close to us, right around us, right in our neighborhoods, in our communities, who are oppressed. And so who are the oppressed? Well, I'm going to share some of those that I believe are the oppressed. Indigenous people. This past week, the Pope visited Canada to offer an apology to Indigenous people for the atrocities they suffered by the church under the residential school system. The ongoing impact of that historical treatment carries on even in today in the lives of many Indigenous people as they continue to face chronic problems that have flowed out of that painful point in history. And we see it in the form of alcoholism and suicide. And, and many indigenous people lack the basic necessities. In a, in a first world country like Canada where we are so privileged, many of them lack basic necessities as simple as clean drinking water. Women. Many women are oppressed. Often paid much less than their male Counterparts, often denied well-deserved promotions and opportunities, often suffering abuse and forced into silence, often denied top positions of leadership, even within the church. Minorities, people discriminated against because of the color of their skin, their ethnicity, their country of origin, their culture, their religious beliefs, resulting in it affecting their ability to get proper educations or healthcare or career success being significantly impacted because of racism and discrimination. The LGBTQ plus community. And this recently I was reading this and this causes me to be very reflective too. Statistically, when people come into a faith environment, 
it changes them to the point where suicide rates drop. Suicide rates are lower among those who associate with a community of faith, with a church. The only exception to that is LGBTQ youth that suicide rates amongst LGBTQ youth that are a part of a church community, of a faith community, are significantly, dramatically higher than they are in non-faith environments. And I believe this should cause great alarm that an LGBTQ youth has a greater likelihood of taking their own life if they're a part of a church community than if they are not a part of a church community. Like, that really bothers me. I, I don't know if it bothers you, but that really bothers me. One of the most common responses to Christian parents when their kids come out as gay is, I would rather have been told that they were dead than they were gay. Well, if many in faith communities would rather our kids be dead than gay, is there any wonder that suicide rates in faith communities is higher for LGBTQ youth? Those experiencing housing insecurity. The housing crisis around us is skyrocketing. People can't afford to buy a home. Those who rent places are finding rents are going through the roof because owners have to cover higher mortgage costs because interest rates are going up. The number of people, and everywhere I turn, I've, I meet someone who's desperately searching to find a place to live, and they're not having success, and they're running out of time where they currently live. And the number of people who can't find a place, the number of people who have no place to live, is growing. Experiencing food insecurity. Restaurant business is down, no question, as a result of COVID, but food bank activity is way up. An increased number of people are relying on food banks to survive. Many college and university students rely on food banks on a regular, consistent basis. Inflation is causing food prices to climb out of reach. People just can't afford to buy the food that they need to feed their families anymore. There are people suffering food insecurity, and for other reasons too. And then there are those who are trafficked. Yesterday was the United Nations World Day of Recognizing Trafficked Persons. We live in an area, and this church exists in an area that has one of the highest levels of human trafficking in this country. And most of those who are trafficked are women who have been groomed and trapped. They're modern-day slaves who are exploited by abuse of power from those who control them. Domestic violence. There are many, mostly women, who suffer domestic violence and abuse every day of their lives. Some of them are our neighbors and we don't even know. Child abuse. Innocent children are suffering. And most of them are oppressed by people they should be able to trust. Now folks, the list goes on and on, but, but these are oppressed people who are all around us every day of our lives. And my purpose in outlining these things today is to remind us 
we may not live under a dictatorship, although some people recklessly throw that around, and I'd suggest maybe they should read a history book. That might be helpful if you think we live under a dictatorship. Although we may, you know, we don't suffer from religious persecution, but there is no question that we're surrounded by oppressed people. People that Jesus wants to set free. People that Jesus loves beyond our comprehension. All around us. Every day. So who are they? That's some of who they are. And then the question is, what can we do? Our scripture today, in our scripture, we observe that there's two responses we see in our scripture today. One is, we can respond like the religious leaders did. By abusing our spiritual power. Which will result in perpetuating the oppression. And you say, well, how could we do that? Well, we do that when we are judging. We are doing that when we are rejecting people based on what they've done or based on what they're currently doing. When we're doing this, what we're doing is we're elevating ourselves over them, that we are better than them, that we are above them. We see ourselves as spiritually superior, just like the religious leaders in Jesus' day. And rather than setting the oppressed free, we're actually increasing and adding to and are active participants in the oppression. So that's one thing we can do. I would suggest we don't. But sadly, some do. Or, and this is what I suggest, we can respond like Jesus did. We look past a person's actions and we see their value. We, we talked about in the week one about compassion. We, we start, compassion starts with feeling what someone else is feeling. We try to understand where they are and who they are and how they got there and what's happening in their lives. And we weigh our interactions with people carefully, not flippantly, not arrogantly, but carefully, carefully and lovingly and compassionately. I believe we're living in a challenging time and that the church, followers of Jesus who desire to faithfully be the church that he's called us to be, those of us who want to live Luke 4.18 out in our lives every day to continue what Jesus began, we will need to become more like Jesus and focus on the broken person as the priority rather than getting caught up in the issues that we feel they represent in John 1, chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, it says this. This is how we know we are in him. This is how we know. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. I believe we can get caught up in a lot of important things and miss the most important thing. Sound doctrine is important. I believe that. Lifestyle is important. Strategically living our lives is important. But if all we are and all that we do in doing all of that does not reflect how Jesus lived, then what we are doing is not in him. 
is not in him. If we do all that, because as we see in Isaiah 58, you can pursue God and do all these things and have the fasting, and God says, you know, thanks, but it's not what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking for. Jesus elevated people over issues. Jesus elevated the heart over appearances. Jesus elevated the broken. He elevated the marginalized. He elevated the rejected. He elevated the sinful. And he set the oppressed free. Why? Because he came to save the people of this world, not to condemn them. Because it is the sick that need a doctor, not the well. Indigenous people matter, and the church needs to take action to help. Racism and discrimination does not belong in Jesus' church. We might make room for it in our church, but there's no room for it in his church. We need to identify it. We need to call it out and need to change. We need to engage in conversation while we create a loving and supportive environment for those from the LGBTQ community, many of whom are our own. They're our own. We're not talking about a random group of strangers here, many of whom are our own flesh and blood. We need to help those who are lacking housing because God tells us in his scripture that housing insecurity is important to him and he wants his people to do something about it. We need to feed the hungry because God tells us in scripture that food insecurity matters to him and he wants his people to do something about it. We need to support those who are exiting human traffic in practical ways and help them to move forward with their lives and find a real purpose. We need to stand with those who are suffering from domestic and child abuse and help them to be free. What can we do? That's what we can do. I'm going to invite our worship team back and some of you may say, you know, pastor, you seem to talk about this stuff a lot. It's true. I do. Thank you for noticing It's true, I do. I want you to know today that when I came to faith, I became a follower of Jesus. I didn't become a follower of my local church. I didn't become a follower of my denomination. I became a follower of Jesus. And when I became a follower of Jesus, I surrendered my whole life to Jesus for him to to use me in any way that he saw fit. I wish I had more input in that through the years, but sadly, he doesn't give me a lot. But my life was surrendered to him. It wasn't surrendered to a church. It wasn't surrendered to a denomination. My agenda every single day before my feet even touch the ground is to do the best I can to to give my life to live the way I believe Jesus wants me to live. 
My goal every day is not to live as the celebrity pastor says I should live, or it's not to live as a church says I should live, or my denomination says I should live. My agenda every day is to love without limits the way Jesus loves without limits, refusing to be told. I refuse to be told by any believer, by any church, by any denomination, who is outside the limits of the reach of God's love. I refuse to hear that. I won't be held back. I will reach my arms as far as the arms of God can reach. I talk about it a lot. You might be happy to know I start vacation tomorrow, so you won't have to hear from me for a little while, so this is good. I mean, just get it all out. I talk about it a lot because in my observation, the focus of Christianity in North America among many does not focus on the priorities of Jesus. I'm sorry, but I think the church is missing it. Focused instead on politics, on power, legislation, personal rights, programs, production quality, numerical growth, financial growth, at the cost of spiritual growth. There's red flags everywhere in the North American evangelical church. And I want you to know this morning that I choose Jesus and his love over the North American version of church. In fact, what I see around me literally turns my stomach. And I will do it at whatever cost it comes to me personally because I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Confronting oppression was important to Jesus and therefore should be important to us. Because Jesus is an ally for those who have been crushed by abuse of power and offers freedom to those who are oppressed. That's the message that this world needs to associate with his church. Would you stand with me this morning? Andrew is going to lead us before we pray. Your blood flows through my 
you have set us free and you have sent us into this world to be those who in your name set others free we thank you this morning that you are an ally to the oppressed and Lord I pray that you would help us in this season of looking to you oftentimes asking what's next where do we go from here to realize how important it is to be a voice and a presence in this world that represents you doing what you did doing what you would be doing saying what you did saying what you would be saying loving like you did loving like you would have us love. Lord, this morning we think of those who are not able to be with us today and those in our congregation who have needs in their lives and are looking to you today. We lift Edith up before you this morning. Lord, even though she was not well enough to be here with us today, we pray that At home, she's sensed your presence this morning. She's been encouraged by you. She feels your love and the love of her church family. And we pray today for your healing in her life, that you would take her pain, you would strengthen her, and you would help her. Lord, today we pray for Robert Boissier's nephew in Trinidad who's been involved in a very, very serious car accident and God I pray that you would bring healing to that young man's life I pray that you would strengthen him I pray that you would heal him I pray that you would allow him to to live and to to function fully Lord I pray for peace in his family today and strength for him today Lord, we pray for those in our congregation who've been called to grieve in recent days and those whose grief has lingered for a long time for your healing and your love to flow into their lives today as they are reminded that you will never leave them and you'll never forsake them. And Father, I pray as we leave this place 
this morning. That we would leave this place determined to live out. You said it. You were true to your word. You've called us to it. Let us be true to you. And live out your mission every day all around us, we pray. And God, as we spend some time socializing together this morning, I just pray for your smile upon us as your children share in hospitality and love and time together this morning. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Make sure you get some ice cream. It'll take a bit of the edge off from the morning. Thank you for being here. Please come back again.